Welcome back to another episode of Confessions from the Sidelines, and I'm your host, Sarah L. Cowart. We have a great show lined up for you today, but before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a moment to thank our partners. Prep Expert is an educational technology company that specializes in online SAT and ACT preparation. They offer full-length live online classes, on-demand video courses, one-on-one private tutoring, and more. They have helped more than 50,000 students around the world get into elite universities and win over $100 million in scholarships. They have tons of course options. One size does not fit all. They offer full-length live online courses, on-demand video courses, one-on-one private tutoring, and more. The best way students can learn is when they find a course that suits them the best. Head on over to prepexpert.com and use the code SARAH300, S-A-R-A-H, the number 300, for a free gift and discount. I love shopping online at Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Enjoy member-only prices. Members save an average of $32 on every order. I love that you can choose your own membership term. For me, I went with the 12-month membership because it comes down to $5 per month. But if you're not sure if Thrive Market is the right fit for you, you can easily give it a try for a shorter period of time. And remember, if you choose the Thrive Market annual membership, it is 30 days risk-free. Head on over to thrivemarket.com slash sidelineconfessions to get 20% off your first order and a free gift. Now, on to today's show. Today's guest is Leah Amico. Leah is a three-time Olympic gold medalist with USA Softball, a two-time world champion, a National Softball Hall of Fame inductee in 2009, a three-time national champion at the University of Arizona, a keynote speaker, and a college softball analyst at ESPN Westwood One Sports. To say Leah knows a little something about becoming a collegiate athlete and a champion is an understatement. Here's my conversation with Leah. Leah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am so excited for you to be here because first of all, you have an incredible softball career that most people don't have. And I want to just hear, you know, it's this long span of time. Like I even remember you playing in the 96 Olympics all the way into the 2004 Olympics, but I want to hear how did all this start when you became a softball player? You know, my parents, um, growing up in Southern California, they were sports fanatics. I was the firstborn and my dad loved baseball. And so at age six, he signed me up for softball. And um, I got involved in both softball and soccer at a young age. And I just happened to fall in love with both of them. And mm-hmm. later on, like in junior high, I tried basketball. I tried volleyball, the things that like the school had those sports and they didn't have softball and soccer, but it was very clear that I had found my two sports. Like I was not good at those other sports um, as athletic as I was softball definitely being the top of the list. Oh, wow. And so you developed this passion. And then when did you kind of get this realization? Like I want to play this at the next level. When did that click for you? I would say when I was 14 years old. So when I was 13, I had Um, you know, I've been going to all-stars and I was a pitcher and our team would win all-stars. And, you know, I was just competitive. Like (laughs) I love to compete. I love my teammates, but I wanted to win. Like when it came down to it, I wanted to win and we did win quite a bit. And, um, and so I had been recruited by a travel ball team 
to come and play for them. And we just hadn't really, it was a long time ago. So it's no different than the travel world today. Um, And so they just actually had started. It used to be just more like 18 under 15 under and maybe like 12. But at that point they started going every two years. So they just said, okay, now we're going to have 14 under division. So that year when I was 14, this team had, you know, asked me to come and play for them. Well, we ended up um, winning nationals that year, went to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, I think we were like, we won over 60 games. I think we lost two that entire season from Southern California. So we were facing amazing teams all the time. And um, I think that was it. When I was 14, we won nationals. And I can remember thinking, I actually was um, my freshman year in high school. And I remember thinking like, okay, maybe I can take this somewhere. Oh, that's so cool. Cause I think that happens for a lot of students when they kind of either have the realization like, Oh, I want to play at the next level. Or it's like, Oh, I'm really good at this sport. <laughs> like I really yeah. have some talent. And I think that's so cool when we kind of go through that. Cause for me, like I just on a whim decided my senior year, like, I think I should play at the college level. Like we didn't, we were from a small town, didn't really have like a lot of resources. We didn't have travel teams, like that type of stuff. And so it was really hard to kind of understand what that looks like. But for you, you had some really amazing opportunities to say like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And, and I didn't really have, um, a, a lot of knowledge of the college game really at that point. I, there wasn't as visible. I love how far it's come. It's yes, been amazing yes. to see these athletes I can watch every weekend softball on TV. It's so phenomenal but they wouldn't have that back in the day. And so I didn't know like where I wanted to play. I didn't know. I didn't know any of that. It just was like, Hey, and I'd had coaches as well as other friends, parents, um, that were just like, you could get a college scholarship. And so I thought, okay, well, playing sports and going to college sounds great to me. And so that kind of became that next goal, that next step. And, you know, I worked hard in the classroom as well. Um, it didn't come easy to me, but I got really good grades because I worked really hard and I yeah. feel like the same thing. I had the passion on the softball field. I obviously had talent, but I, I like to say my work ethic totally oh. overcame my talent level. Yeah. I want to land there for a second because that's something we talk a lot about on the show is that talent matters. We get that. But when it comes down to it, if you have this amazing work ethic and you're somewhat talented versus someone who is really, really talented with not a whole lot of work ethic, the coach is actually going to choose that other student with some work work ethic. Absolutely. I think it's so crucial. And I coached a little bit in the high school game as well as one summer in the pro league for the USA pride. And you kind of saw that. And obviously as I got to the highest levels, I saw that it was all these people who had kind of this inner drive and this desire to be the very best. And that's what led them to that preparation every single day, being a national champion, being Olympic gold medalist, like it was the every day we put in, but when you Mm -hmm. have people that don't have to be told and pulled along and they actually want to, and they, they enjoy that process of it. Cause I think it's not a lot of people want the outcome, mm-hmm. but I think it's those that focus on the process the most that oh. get the best results in the outcome. Wow. That's, you know, I, I think when we talk about students and we're talking about them going through this journey, you know, it's being 1% better every day, whatever, like the little thing that you can find in that process to really step it up to say, here's where I'm committed to. Yeah. And, and the thing about our sport is it kind of keeps you going back to the drawing board, you're always learning lessons. And the key is how quick are you learning? How fast are you making adjustments? How, you know, are you doing the same thing wrong over and over and over again? Or when you do it right, are you able to repeat that? That's what I know. When I work with athletes, that's my thing to them is like, okay, that's your swing right there. Did you feel that? Did you see that? 
Like that's what you're trying to make happen over and over again. And we need to think, what are those keywords that help us remember that? What is that feeling that I get from that? And that's that goal is to be able to replicate that over and over again. And then, and then to feel when it's wrong as well. Oh, that's such great advice because I know kind of exactly what you're talking about. You know, I played soccer, so I could almost in my brain feel that connection when my foot hit the ball exactly like where I wanted it to at the speed I wanted to, and the ball headed in the direction I wanted it to. And those are the type of things that you're saying, like when we have those moments, hone in on it, realize the feeling, take into like what's happening so that you can continue to do that same exact thing over and over. Yeah. And, and if you think about it really, ultimately it's called being a student of the game. That's right. You can go watch any high level major league player, professional athlete, Olympian. So we're talking about have reached the peak and the pinnacle. And what you're usually going to see is how little they break it down. I think that's Mm. the difference. Everybody wants to make this massive play and this great, you know, have this great execution, but they're going to focus on the littlest things to make it happen. I went, my son was seven years old. I was also a soccer player, loved soccer as well. Um, but softball took me further, but he, he went on this team to his practice and, and this guy, he ran his little team practice with maybe eight kids. He ran it like, like I would run a softball clinic if I had a hundred kids and he had these stations and he broke down and I thought, okay, I need to know. I need to know this guy because I'm watching this and I'm seeing something different than you just get from soccer dad. Right. And sure. Soccer mom, obviously. And sure enough, I, he says I was a semi-pro Colombian player and he, you know, now here lives in the States. And I said, I recognized it because I know as an Olympian, as a gold medalist who reached the highest, the highest levels. And I sometimes have a hard time going to these, you know, little softball leagues, rec leagues, talking to the, the coaches and I'm trying to break it down to them. And it's almost like, they don't even want to hear it. They don't want to listen. So for those athletes out there, yes. remember that part. It's the little things and breaking it down to what little adjustments I need to make. And when you focus like that, then mm-hmm. the big rewards come. Oh, that's that's powerful because I'm thinking of these kids ask, and even asking their coaches these questions to talk about the little things to really help move them forward. Because, you know, I'm imagining you as this high school kid going through your recruiting process, doing the little things. But then how did you, because you play for Coach Candrea, which is arguably one of the best softball coaches in the world. How did you land at Arizona? You know, um, it's it's kind of a funny story because I I had, at the time, they used to recruit a lot of like the 18 and under travel ball tournaments. And then they would send maybe an assistant coach to the 16 and under, which it, that flipped obviously for a while <laughs> more recently. But, um, and so you know, I was kind of playing younger because my birthday was late. I was younger than a lot of the people in my grade. And so, um, and so the assistant coach saw me and I guess some other coaches who had played against me were like, you have to watch this player. So I was not this big name in the recruiting process. Um, even though I had a lot of success, I really did. We won nationals 14 under six under, then eventually 18 under as well. But, um, and so the assistant coach watched me, he, he had me come on a recruiting trip. I was one of like five athletes. And what they pretty much told us was, Hey, we're bringing in five athletes, the first two to commit, get the positions. It was oh my, my first trip. Oh I go there. I'm like, I love okay. it. It's amazing. You? <laughs> but you know, yeah. But is, is every school like this? How am I yes. supposed to know? Yeah. And so I did take one other trip and, um, and it, you know, it was a good school and it was a, it was a good program as well, but it just didn't compare. And that's how, like, I was like, okay, I don't need any more trips. I just saw the difference between the two and the difference of what I felt. What's so funny about coach Kendrea is I joke because 
I think I might've met him when I came in, but then I'm pretty sure he had to leave like for like a speaking engagement or something. (laughs) And they had just gotten off winning their first ever national championship that year prior. And, and so I'm sure he's really busy, but I laughed because later on, I heard that the same, some of the recruits in my class, he was going to their house and trying to recruit them. He was like connected. He'd watch them play. Oh no, not me. So I joke and I, I, I just say like, I was a big surprise to him and a good surprise though. Yeah. I was going to say a really good surprise because while you were at Arizona, you guys, you won, correct me if I'm wrong, but three national championships while you were there. Yes. Three. And then we had a second place finish. So every right. year we were in the championship game. And I can just imagine every year of your collegiate career, you're playing at the highest level in this national championship game. What was that experience like? Oh, my freshman year. So I ended up, I was a pitcher. We had a star, you know, superstar pitcher, all American Susie Para. And she was a junior my freshman year. And, uh, and I was this little freshman and, and so we got to the world series and she was the go, she was go the go-to, they were going to use her the whole time. But I had at that point become the designated hitter. So basically I would just, you know, I just hit. And so I was like the biggest cheerleader on the bench. You know, I'm 18 years old. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Like I was losing my (laughs) voice. And then I got to go up and and hit. And I ended up getting the only hit in the championship game against Lisa Fernandez. Right? Yeah, we won my my freshman year. As an 18-year-old kid, and you had that only hit against one of the toppest pitchers. Oh, the best pitcher. Really, to this day, she, to me the best pitcher in the Hands world. Down. I yeah. really, Lisa Fernandez is, I'm so thankful that I played three Olympics with her because <sighs> honestly her level of play and mindset is just the top of the top. But you know, that, so here I was and like, I was just like, Oh my gosh, like life doesn't get better than this. Yeah. The game's on TV. My friends are going to see it, <sighs> you know? And, um, and then, and then you just grow off of that. You use mm-hmm. that, you go through ups and downs, you use that. And I had those moments the fall of my freshman year where I had like especially as a pitcher, like, do I have what it takes to make it at this mm. level? Sophomore year coach moved me to outfield. That became a new position at, you know, 19 years old, I'm learning a new position, but became all American. That's really what opened the door for the Olympic team. Right. I'm making diving catches. I'm catching balls over the fence of the world series. I mean, so I'm just a firm believer of like, okay, if you put that head down and you're like, I am going to be the best, I'm going to go out every day and work until I can reach that. Like great things are going to happen. Oh, and I can just think about that from your freshman year to your senior year. It's like, you're the best cheerleader that you could possibly be the best designated hitter. And then you get to move to outfield. It's like everything that you're doing, you're taking that advice that you just gave a little bit ago and taking it just a little bit better. Every little thing that you're doing. Absolutely. And I ended up going to first base my senior year. And so it really was whatever coach needed and wherever I pitched one year and designated hitter. I went to outfield for two years, center field, and then I went to first base. And absolutely what you just said, like, and, and that idea, again, it might not always show when you say the 1% better every day, like you might've had like an O for four day or maybe a weekend that was rough, but here's the takeaway. Are you getting better? Because did you learn from it? If you learn from yes. it, then you're going. So I, even later in my career, and this kind of goes to what you're saying, I started, you know, softball is a game of averages when it comes to batting average, obviously. And so, you know, if you went two for four, well, you could have hit the ball hard four times, but only twice it fell through, or you could have gotten cheap little hits and they fell in and that's what gave your hits. So I started later on just kind of taking quality at bats because Mm -hmm. I figured if I continue, and in my mind, I went three for four with quality at bats because I swung at good pitches. I laid down a sacrifice, but I hit it hard to the shortstop. And I knew that if I keep having quality at bats again, I'm going to eventually have the results that I want in the big games. 
That's so good because, you know, I'm thinking of our high school student athletes and even our parents who are working with our student athletes of saying like, okay, what's that quality in everything that they're doing, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's with nutrition, whether it's mindset work and all of these things accumulating to those big moments that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring in a mindset that that's really like, like you said, there's all these other areas There's the time you put in every day, there's the physical work, right? The routine fundamental stuff that can get really boring, but when you have a purpose, you stay focused on it and you know, it's getting you better. So that is crucial. It's not, you know, it's not always going to be that fun type of, you know, thing challenging (laughs) us, but you can make it your own challenge within itself. That's what I, I think, you know, we would always try to make some new challenges some way out of our routine mundane practices, but then you have that aspect of the, of the mental game. And I'm telling you, that's when it comes down to it. That is really what separates the average from the good, Mm -hmm. the good from the great and the great from the very best. Oh, what is going on up here? Yeah. Just of what is happening above your shoulders. And so what are some of the things that maybe even you learned under coach Candrea, whether it was like at Arizona or the Olympic level, because you got to be under his leadership for an extended period of time. And so what I, yeah, absolutely. I things that I learned from him and I felt like he really fostered an environment that allowed us to really be our very very best. Actually, in some ways be better than we thought possible oh, wow. because he gave us room for growth. Instead of, you know, just saying a general like I said like the the best break it down. So it's not like, okay, hit it better next time, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, keep your hands on the ball or why did you swing at the first pitch? I know you, that's not usually your thing. So he ra- allow- allowed you to really be your thing. He didn't have a general, my way of the highway. It was very individual. He knew wh- when we were playing our best, kind of what, what got us going. Um, he also um, never let us to get too high or never let us mm. get too low. And I think that was crucial. Like he would joke with us and make sure like he knew, like, I'm not gonna let them get all so prideful and let it go to their head where, you know, it affects them in a negative way. But at the same time, he was the first one we'd start to see us maybe doubt or question Again, he maybe would have a few keywords that he would kind of just bring out and he would say, and that was all you needed. When you knew he believed in you, you knew that you could believe in yourself. Your teammates had your back. Um, and, and I'll just never forget one of the times he, after a game where we did not play very well, he was kind of yelling at us. And um, I just know it's a good thing when he's yelling at us and I become more inspired than ever yes. because he basically, he just said, you know what? Because we had made some mistakes, mental mistakes, you know, physical mistakes. And he said, here's the thing. Mistakes are going to happen and I don't like it when they happen, but if they do, you need to make sure it's because you're going all out 100% and not because you were holding back. And then all of a sudden the ball takes a bad hop because you were afraid to play it. And I'll never forget thinking, this is why I play all out for this man, because yeah. I can leave everything on the field. I don't hold back. And therefore I walk off the field with no regrets, knowing I gave everything. It's when we're afraid of failure when we're afraid to make a mistake. And so some of those things I feel like allowed that mental game to say, oh, bring it on. Who, who are our competitors? Instead of competing with myself, I was able to compete with the true competition on the other side of the field. That's I, I may have to like go and find that quote from him because I can only imagine him sitting in there really speaking truth of what you guys needed to do and how to really overcome some of those obstacles. Because, you know, we talk about the three national championships, we talk about the three gold medals, but in between all of that, like there was some failure, like there was some hard stuff that happened. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we had those times and he would try different things to kind of see what would make us sick. There were times he just wouldn't talk to us for a day or two. And like You're like, uh oh, like, we're like worried, like, oh, no, coach is not talking. To- what do we do? And it was like, I think he just wanted to see how we were going to respond. There were other days where he's like, you're running, you guys are running, like, you know, and I felt like some of those times, like the team kind of, in a sense, bonded, he would do the team bonding type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, where he knew, Hey, we've got to get our sports psychologist, um, you know, involved in this. And that's one of the things I will say about coach Kendra is he was a coach who, even though he's the very best, in my opinion, the best mm-hmm. of the best, yeah. um, but he was very big on delegating. He would allow different people to have their role. He surrounded himself with the right people and trusted them. And therefore he allowed them to do their job. He was not somebody that was like, I know some coaches and I really think it hinders them and their programs where they have to have the control over the whole, whole thing. Even though they have their assistants, they keep them really you know, tight um, and don't allow them to use their gifts. And so the sports psychologist coach is like, bring them in. Who needs them? Who wants to talk? Let's do some team stuff. Let's do some individual stuff. And so with that, like, I just saw like him using every resource and he did the same thing on the Olympic team. He realized the United States Olympic committee, they offer a lot of services, mm-hmm. a lot of programs. They have their own people. Coach was like, we'll take it all. And we just oh, wow. had, I mean, so many people coming in and helping us and all of it just benefits when you have people who have their specialty and you invite them into the process. And so through those hard times, he used outside resources mm-hmm. He tried different things himself. I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if he got on the phone and talked to some other coaches and asked what they did because he's always been someone who shares with others. And then I also think he listens and tries different things as well. And I think that goes back to what you were talking about, about being a student of the game and being a student of yourself is that he was always learning. He was always wanting to find like that next step. And I think of our high school athletes who are in this process and really saying, okay, what can I learn? What can I do to get better? And how can I be truly a student of the game and a student myself all the time? Yeah. And I think you never lose that mentality. That is so crucial. I think everybody in every aspect of life, I retired at 29 years old. I had three Olympic gold medals. I still could get better. I could still learn more. Coach Kendra had Olympic gold medal as a coach and he had national championships as, as, you know, and I'll never forget, even after all the national championships, even after gold medal, We'll go to him, do a coaching clinic. I would speak. He would speak. He's one of the main speakers. And then afterwards, he would go and listen. It was baseball, softball. So sometimes he'd listen to softball speakers. Sometimes he would listen to the baseball speakers. And you're thinking, this is a guy who like knows so much and he he's never learned enough. And it absolutely, as athletes, that has to be the mentality we have. If you are coachable, I believe there is no limit to what you're going to do in your growth process. Oh, I love that. And I love that you use that word coachable because I think sometimes we, we forget about it, but we should. And I think about for myself too, in my daily life, like I still want to be coachable, even as a retired athlete who only played at the junior college level, you know, retired after that, but I still want to be coachable in everything that I do. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this relates to the careers that we have and every aspect of life. And I think we can always learn and we can always just be improving upon choices we make and things we do and kind of seeing where, where people have gone before us and where there's wisdom. And yeah, I, I want to have a growth mindset my whole life. Yes. Uh, You just said it so great right there. So Leah, you know, the podcast is called confessions from the sidelines. So I would love to know what is your favorite memory I would say standing on the sidelines, but I think it's more from like st- maybe standing in the dugout. Yeah, it would, it would probably be in the dugout for me. Well, so my first guy, when you you had mentioned this and I, I kind of thought about it for a minute. And when 
my first game in as an Arizona Wildcat, I was so excited to be wearing the uniform. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. our fall ball. We came this this season, this the beginning. And um, I wasn't in the lineup the first game, but I can just remember like telling my catcher, she was a fifth year senior. She was a leader. And I just remember being like, you guys go get them. Like, even though I'm on the team, I mean, it just is. And it was true, genuine. Like I'm not in the game right now. So you guys go make it happen. Like Uh, I was just so excited like mm -hmm. to be a part of this. And it was not about me. It was about my team. And we, you know, went out and we win this first game. And I just, I just, even though, again, I, I, I was in the next game, I got a chance to, you know, hit a little bit in the next game. But I, I just was thankful and grateful to be on that team and was just willing to wait until I got my shot. And I look back through my career and I just know teammates who had that type of perspective as opposed to the ones that were angry and mad and frustrated. Um, when they finally got their opportunity, I really saw differences in results. And I think a lot of that had to do with kind of where they were mentally. Oh, that is just those memories and just all the just the things you learn from being a student athlete, you truly do carry them for the rest of your life. You really do. I mean, I I think of just the lessons and the life lessons, the good ones, the hard ones, Mm -hmm. um, the mistakes. Sometimes you learn the most from from your failures and your mistakes. Yes. And I just, you know, even now, like when I work with hitters, I, I say, I I can think of so many adjustments to make because I had to make so many throughout my career. Yes, <laughs> like, now yes. try this, now try this, now try this. And sometimes one thing worked and other times it was something different. And so I feel like, you know, I have a lot more knowledge to pass on because of that. Uh, that's so powerful. Well, Leah, where, if anybody wants to hang out with you online on social media or head to your website or maybe even come to a clinic, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, my website is leahamico.com. So L-E-A-H-A-M-I-C-O.com. As well as uh, Instagram, I have both um, leah20usa, L-E-A-H-20USA, as well as leah.amico. And I I do, I just try to, you know, share some stuff on on those um, different sites. And I'm doing speaking and I do do some softball, you know, some instruction and some local clinics and, you know, kind of as opportunities arise, but really my heart is to kind of what we talked about here. Um, what, what are the things that led to the success? What are Mm -hmm. the lessons that I learned and how do we apply that to everything we do? That's kind of been my heart is yeah. If I'm talking to softball players, awesome. I'm going to pump you up and I want us to get down to those fundamentals. But if I'm talking to somebody, a a woman or man in their careers, like I want to say, Hey, here's the principles that really led to three gold medals. And I know this applies to everything we do in life. That's so good. Well, we'll be sure to include all of those, the website and your social media links in our show notes so that anybody wants to hang out with you online, they totally can. That sounds great. Thank you. Thank you.